0: Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to the Celtics Collective, brought to you by Heavy On Sports. As usual, I'm your host, Adam Taylor, and I'm joined by my co-hosting legend, Mr. Keith Smith. We're on the wrong side. Let's
1: flip that. There we go. <laughs> How's it going today, Keith? Oh, good, man. That, that was smooth. I like that. You, you you just did it. I didn't even feel it. It was nice. It was uh, You know, switched us from sides of the pond, so I'll take it. <laughs> i wish it, that trip was that quick right like, <laughs> right quick. yeah tell me about it man there's a lot of things i'd like to see in england so and i know there's a lot of stuff you'd like to see here but but we'll digress so i suppose we'll talk about the celtics and, and nba <laughs> basketball
0: i will say that i did get to see the world's largest thermometer so uh, i feel like i've lived a complete life at this point
1: hey, um... man, that's all it took you you you've, you've led a full complete life and i'm proud of you uh... happy for you it's
0: definitely not all it's going to take right then with that being said there's some people out here that are playing professional basketball looking to accomplish something far greater than just one single win but unfortunately we're going to be looking at one single game so the Celtics play the 76ers on Tuesday which is tomorrow at the time of recording if you're watching live it's tomorrow if you're listening on the podcast it's most likely today you know times just fluid and there's a lot riding on this game right as you tweeted out earlier today the Celtics still theoretically have a shot at winning the, um, the finishing first in the East, but it means that there needs to be a collective of Milwaukee losing some and Boston winning some to total up to six games. Is that right? I mean, you know, you, yeah. you've got the math down a bit
1: better. Yeah, now. it's, it's six. The, the magic number for the Celtics is six. So, you know, they, they've each got four games left. So there's very little wiggle room in there. You know, you can't, and, and when you're chasing, it's, it's, Fine to focus on yourself and say we need to win, but even if the Celtics win out, they still need the Bucs to lose at least twice. And chances of the Bucs losing two of their last four probably not great, right? It's just you know kind of the way it goes, but but we'll see. So I think the more important thing is if we, I know we're not gonna unfortunately. Uh, Tech, technology issues uh, per, not in, For a change, not on either of our sides um, you know, Which is <laughs> often the problem Well, I guess it was kind of me on the one day But it's, um, you know the, That's often how it goes But, you know, technology issues Happened that prevented us from recording last week But had we recorded, we probably Would have, you know, espoused you know Greatly about the big win in Milwaukee And that To me was the Celtics kind of Maybe sending a little reminder Of yeah, hey, the one seed would be nice, but we can still do this. We can still win here. Right. And they, they, they beat the bucks pretty handily on Christmas day. They nearly beat them with a, not, not even a B squad, like a C squad. Uh, only what a month or so ago. And then, I mean, absolutely hammered and destroyed Milwaukee in, in the game the other night. And that basically that followed by a win, win against the jazz, uh, which will get into very briefly in a little bit puts us in the 76ers game we'll see how they play it out but if they play it out with their regular guys this is this will fully wrap up the number two seed the celtics magic number is one uh they need to win uh you know they either need to win once or have the 76ers lose once and then they're the two seed and they can obviously take care of all of that by winning this next game against philadelphia themselves
0: and how do you feel about coming into this? Because there was a period not too long ago where Philly just looked absolutely electric. Uh, it seemed like everything was clicking between Harden and Embiid. Maxi was playing well. It's just been a good kind of stretch. And then Philly, all of a sudden, Philly felt like the, the bottom fell out, right? The floor kind of just started to give way on them a little bit. Some health issues, some bad results. <laughs> and, and we know how that feels, the Celtics fans especially. <laughs> sure. Covering the Celtics, you know that one minute the stretch can be amazing, and then all of a sudden you're looking around like, what, the, what, what just happened here? So, how, how, coming into this game, obviously Embiid's going to be the big talking point. But how do you feel about the matchup in general? Do you feel these two teams match up well, or are you, or is it more of this like um, outside of Embiid, Philly don't really have an advantage?
1: Yeah, I think this is where I I try not to overly lean on history in matchups i try to take them on like new teams new style whatever it is and like you can't overly lean on that but considering a lot of the pieces have been the same over what the last three to four year period between these two teams and joel Embiid said it himself it's not a rivalry when they always kick our butts i it doesn't it's not that i completely disrespect the sixers or anything like that i just i need They need to prove it, that they can beat the Celtics, right? The the Celtics have not only, again, much like the Bucs, and this is going to be another topic we're going to get into, maybe Boston is at their best against the best teams, but they've handled Philly, you know, know, not just this year, but recent years, but this year too. And they've handled them in games where the Celtics haven't been all the way at full strength. So I think both teams at relatively full strength, as much as you can be in, you know, April at the end of a long season, I just feel confident Boston's going to take it. Now, I don't know what this game's going to look like. Cause I think the Celtics are kind of in, all right, it's going to be hard to run down the box. Had Philly beat Milwaukee. I think that was last night. That probably would have changed the math a little bit because then it's like, all right, now we're right there, right? We need the Bucks to basically stumble once, and if we keep winning, we're good. But they didn't, so I think Boston's now in a point where all right, we're going to get the two seed unless you know we completely crap the bed over the final week of the season. So it turns into a. How much are they going to care about this game? It's the first of a back-to-back. It's on the road. There's a lot of people wondering, are they are they even going to send guys? Are they even going to play this game to win? What's that going to look like? You know, um, I tend to take teams more often. They, they do play out the first game of a back-to-back set as a normal one, and then the second one's where they kind of, you know, will sit guys. So, so we'll see, you know, which tactic they take here. But I don't know that we're going to draw a whole lot out of this game because I don't know that either team is – you know, playing to, you know, definitely win this game because it's like, oh, my God, we have to win. Otherwise, you know, the whole season is, you know, going to go crumbling down. I think both teams are like Celtics are like we're the two uh, with an outside, very outside shot at the one. I think Philly's like we're the three with a very outside shot at the two. So we're just going to kind of do our thing here.
0: Here's a question for you that I've kind of been thrown around in my head. So we're going to operate on, under the assumption Boston win tonight. I'm not saying that. I don't feel like that's a crazy assumption. Coming into the the remaining few games of the season, what's the likelihood that they start to kind of do what some tanking teams have been doing and start to stagger their players like playing and not playing just to kind of avoid any injuries with the last week of the season you know you don't want to derail your playoff chances before they even begin is that a likely thing that we're going to see or do you think that's something that wouldn't happen on a team that's trying to chase down the first seed
1: yeah i think a lot of it depends on you win against philly milwaukee loses you're gonna probably all right well we gotta keep going to some extent now that's if you know a player rolls an ankle obviously you're gonna be like you're you're out Like You're not asking anybody to play through any form of injury or anything. But if it's just to prioritize rest, eh, I don't know. Now, this being a back-to-back Toronto and Philly, or Philly and Toronto, to do it in sequential order, they're going to, we will see it be... Guys are going to sit on the second night unless they sit on the first. They're going to sit one half of this back to back. That's just kind of they've done that all year. Like there's there's no chance that all of a sudden in the beginning of April, they're like, you know what? Al Horford should play both games of a back to back set. Right. Like That's not going to happen. Rob's not going to play both games of the back to back set. Maybe they split it. Maybe they don't. But I think the minute it is. All right, guys, it's. Not really reasonable that we're going to catch the box. And I think the box magic number to clinch everything is two. So obviously the minute it's not even doesn't have to be clinched, but it's like, yeah, we're going to have to you know go all out with them falling apart to catch them. Then it becomes we're sitting guys and that the game. I would be probably dirty. There, yes, there's two. It's the what happens in this back-to-back set Philly, Toronto. One of those games, probably going to be a lesson lineup. That Atlanta game in the last day of the season, I think there's very, you know, we might be, you know, we might be flying you over with your sneakers and me and you might be getting in the lineup, you know, on a 10-day contract or something, you know, at the end. Now somebody's, well, you get signed 10 days on the last day. I get it. Thanks for being, trying to be funny. But it's, you know, I'm, Dan, I took your joke away from you. Um, <laughs> So I think we're at a spot here where it's going to be, all right, J.D. Davis in time for, you know, 35 minutes, let's go. You know, Peyton Purchard, you you wanted a chance to run the show. I don't think we're gonna see anyone because it'll be wrapped up by then um in that Atlanta game, barring something really unexpected. I don't think we'll see anyone of consequence play. They'll probably play that second Toronto game just because it comes with normal rest. And what you don't want to do is you can't sit guys for all the games because then nobody's played meaningful basketball for like two weeks because I think what people forget is the season ends on Sunday for the top six teams, which the Celtics are, you know, they're, they're already assured of they, they can't fall lower than three at the very worst. Those teams are all off for a week already anyway because the playoffs don't start until the following Saturday or Sunday. So you're basically off an entire week. So you can't start sitting guys too early. But that last regular season game, if it doesn't mean anything, you don't play anybody because the worst thing that can possibly happen is one of your main guys gets injured in that last game. That meant nothing. And then, you know, as a coach, you're never going to hear the end of it. So we're in a spot where they, they think, you know, We'll see how it goes with this Philly game, maybe the Toronto game. Probably that second Toronto game looks normal-ish from, uh, you know, who plays and rotations and minutes and all that. And then that Atlanta game, you better I, – I hope you like Luke Cornett, Mike Mascala and the G League guys and maybe whoever they've signed to fill the 15th roster spot because those guys are probably getting a lot of minutes.
0: And that's what you hope for, though, right? Because when you do look at it, you're like, man, I don't want to be risking Jason Tatum in in a game that has no weight at all. And I remember saying to you, we had a discussion about, like, games kind of wrapping up and not having much weight. And you think about it in a a bigger sense, and it's like, even if they were to win against Philly, and then they, they just go to that kind of, we'll call it, external lineup, the lineup that you don't usually see. You'd be okay with it. I mean, it, it might be a bit tough to stomach from multiple games rather than just one, but you understand. And like you said, you're not going to do it completely because then no one's going to have played for a few weeks. You're going to start rusty. But do but staggering it, kind of like what you mentioned San Antonio was doing on our last episode. Like One day you might get Tatum and then yeah. you might not see him for the rest of the season. Another day you might get Brown. That makes perfect sense to me. Um, I just think that at the moment you play Philly the way you need to play them. I also believe I believe very heavily in kind of like having that mental edge. Like, hey, we beat you. We, you know, we go in against Milwaukee at any point. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, we beat you. We ran you close with our bench unit. We got you. And the same with Philly. After that, I don't see Toronto as a threat. Atlanta's not a threat. Just just run, like, stagger you guys, man, and keep everybody as healthy yeah. as possible.
1: Yeah, I mean, at this point, like, I, 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 I this is the last time I'll say it because I'm just getting repetitive. Probably not running down Milwaukee, so what are you pushing for? It's better just be ready to go. You, you play the one game like normal just so that's your kind of, that. that's really your final tune-up of the regular season. And then that Atlanta game, you know, we're not going to see anyone, and, and off we go. Now, I reserve the right to be fully, hey, if we hit that Atlanta game and it's all the Celtics need to do is win to, to clinch, then, yeah, let's go. I, I haven't looked. I should look to see who do the Bucks play on that last day because they the Bucks play at the Raptors. So, you know, that could, I guess, maybe be, be a game that could matter. You know, so, so let's get to that last day, see what it looks like. We'll obviously talk again before then, so we'll have a much better idea. Where we're headed with that. But yeah, the minute the Bucs thing is over, then you go into what's our our rest rhythm, you know, rest, rust rhythm, whatever it is that everybody says. And we get into that, and that's where we go, you know, planning purposes for the remainder of this regular season.
0: And that brings us on to a new topic, which has been heavily discussed. And I feel like (laughs) for you, this is I could be asleep and absolutely answer every question you asked about really. I don't know about that. Jalen Brown and what the changes in the new collective bargaining agreement mean for him and his future. So I will premise this by saying for anybody that isn't aware of Brown's contract situation, he will become an unrestricted free agent in 2024. There's definitely been some non-committal kind of allegations thrown at him like, Oh, he's not committed to the side. Like there's a lot of rumors floating around and nobody knows whether they're true or not. We spoke about that ad nauseum on the last episode. Feel free to go and listen to that. We won't get back into that because I just think it's disingenuous to keep harping on about something like that. But you're, you're a guru when it comes to money and basketball like in in basketball. You're a capex, expert. And I feel like you've had to do a lot of homework this weekend to f- figure out how these new changes affect who, so for Jaden Brown, what does the new CBA mean for him? Is he more likely to re-sign sign an extension now or re-sign, like carry on and kind of opt out and then re-sign? What are his options now?
1: Yeah, I'm going to start with a handful of caveats on this. The first one is the CBA is being leaked in drips and drabs over the course of the last few days. We do not have all the details. We We are... Quite honestly, pretty far from most of the details. What we have is a handful of points, and this extension one is one we'll get into with that. The other piece that I'm going to say, because I've seen, unfortunately, a lot of people get this wrong, Jalen Brown does not have a player option for next season. Jalen Brown is under contract with the Celtics for next season and unlike other sports there's no real renegotiation points in the NBA it doesn't really exist there's only kind of one place that that can happen and it's it's a very rare miles turner did it and you can read all about it I wrote all about it for Track. if you want to check that out it's it happens basically once every once to twice every decade so that's not the case for Jalen Brown so here's what's changed Current CBA, the one we're living in today, and we will be living in until July 1st. That's when the new one will take effect with the change in the league year. Jalen Brown is eligible to extend for 120% of his final year salary, which is next season, 23 24. So that bumps him up to a nice number, obviously, right? They're all nice numbers in the NBA for guys like me and you and everybody probably watching this. But what Happens is Jalen Brown was not a max player on his last deal. He didn't sign a max extension. He signed a what I like to call a near max extension because it was it was close, but it wasn't a max extension. So what happens is he's got the ability to extend, but it's at the 120%. It would leave him woefully short of what he could just wait, play it out to free agency, and then sign for as a free agent. Now the bump. In the new CBA is they've changed it to 140% of last year's uh, the final year salary. That's significant enough that it brings Brown right in the range of what he could sign for. Probably, to be quite honest, it's probably almost exactly the same um, to what he could sign for. Because what happens on that one is that's going to take him up to his max and on these contracts in his position He would cap at the max Salary amount and that's the Same amount he could sign for as a free agent Now we have a Very important And likely to be what drives this whole Thing uh, situation with Jalen Brown is he's in all NBA Conversation and in all NBA Conversation whether that be for this Year or next year He would be eligible to sign what people Like to call the supermax, which Means instead of jumping He's now eligible for 30% of the salary cap um, in his next deal. Instead of going to 30%, he could jump to the 35% and make the absolute most money he could make. The only way he does that is if he makes All-NBA this year or next year or if he is um, wins MVP or Defensive Player of the Year. The last two probably not going to happen, right? So it's really an All-NBA conversation. So I don't think much changes in this whole Situation with Jalen Brown because of here. This is how I'm getting to this in a long way Is one he's going to play out the all nba thing anyway Even if this year, let's say he barely misses and when you start looking at the way some of the voters are talking and all that I don't think he's going to miss. I think he's going to make it anyway, but Even if he misses he's going to be right there on the cusp And if i'm jalen brown i'll be like well next year i'm going to come back stronger better and i'm going to make it and then I'll qualify for the max, and that's how I'm going to play this out. Because what will always be there for him is that regular max contract. That'll be there next year. Anyway, from the Celtics, or if he wants to leave Boston, the max he can get from another team. So there's really no real reason for him to sign an extension, even though the money is better than it would have been before because he can't get anything more than he'd get by playing out to free agency. And he would potentially be sacrificing a ton of money in that situation by signing it early rather than saying, Hey, let this thing play out. So I, I think we're in the same place we're in. I think it might even been the last episode, but I know we talked about it previous where if Jalen Brown makes all NBA this year, the Celtics are 100% going to say, Here is a full super max, 35% of the cap extension. We'd like you to sign this now. Let's go. If Jalen Brown signs it, hey, yay, we're all happy. We all move on and we just keep going. If Jalen Brown says no, you're still in the same place of, oh boy, he turned down the absolute most he could possibly get. We need to have a whole other conversation about this because this is bad news. Let's figure this out. So that's where we're at with this. It's This bump is, it's great. And it's awesome, and it's going to impact guys like Demonte Sabonis maybe, DeJounte Murray maybe, maybe Kyle Kuzma. It'll impact a ton of lower-paid vets that are kind of in the middle ranges of their career where they're not a max guy, but they're still going to make a lot of money. Huge for all of them. For a guy like JB, I just don't think it changes the, the math enough for him to want to sign right now.
0: So I've had people – I've seen people, I shouldn't say I've heard, I've seen people ask the question of, well, Tatum's made an All-NBA already. He's going to make an All-NBA probably this year, most likely again in the future, just because of the level that he plays at. Mm -hmm. When he's extension eligible, he's also going to be Supermax eligible. Correct. Yeah, he'll jump to that. Which means the Celtics could could theoretically have 70% of the cap tied up in Jalen and Jason. And that's when we start to look at some difficult decisions and some high tax payments. Is that Yeah,
1: and it's that high tax payments. And we've seen the other, I know we're not going to get super deep into the CBA. If you know who I am, you know where to find all my thoughts on all things CBA, mostly at Track. And we're going to do a full podcast over there where we talk just super deep about the CBA. So without boring Celtic fans only to tears, because they don't want to necessarily hear about all of it. It's the restrictions on what I'm calling now super tax teams, which are that's they're creating a second tax apron. If you're basically if you're 17 million, 17 and a half million or more above the luxury tax, you're going to have all these restrictions against you, which will be you can't you basically you can sign your own draft picks and you can sign uh resign your own guys and you can sign players to minimum deals and that's it. You wouldn't be able to use the taxpayer. You can't trade for more salary than you send out. It's gonna. It, there's a lot of stuff that'll come with that. And Boston with Brown and Tatum both on super max deals, which that's what you should be hoping for if you're a Celtics fan, because I mean you've kept two of the top 15 to 20 players in the league. I I don't want to make this a whole rankings thing, but they're in. That's where they fall. You want that? That's where you want to be because the important thing is. They've already got a bunch of other guys on the roster that are the backbone supporting players to lift the two stars, right? It's to use Brad Stevens term that he used a lot is we're trying to surround support our two pillars, right? We've got our pillars. Everything else is about supporting them, you know, to lift this team. And that's where, where they're at. So I think it's, there's they're we're going to be in a weird spot they're going to be more expensive than the team's ever been but that is kind of a thing where it's like all right that's for brad and ownership to figure out and how they're gonna build this roster and how much they're willing to pay and all that stuff but but you you know a good place to start from is we've got jalen brown and jason tatum signed long term and that's where you want to go it's the only real Oh my God! What are we doing? It's all crumb, come crumbling down. As if guys start turning down supermax deals, that's when it's all right. They really don't want to be here, and it's time to you know look at something different. But until that happens, don't panic. And just because this game, if, if it comes, and Jalen Brown's not going to sign the this new one hundred and forty percent extension, it's just math, right? It's it's just smart play on his side to say, Nah, I could. It, sure, that's amazing money, but I could make even more. And yeah, you know, when you can and you feel confident that you're going to, you might as well go knowing, especially at the end of the year, it will be there. And someone will counter with what if he gets hurt? Doesn't matter. Unless it's, you know, he wakes up one morning and his right arm fell off. And he's like, no, I don't know what to do. Right. Sudden case of leprosy or something. And his right arm falls off. Like it's like he's. It, he's still gonna get the super max he could you know he could suffer a serious injury and somebody's gonna be like yeah as long as you know he's young enough he'll come back or recover. it's still gonna come his way that he will get a max deal so that's that's the, the the stuff where you know it's he's not in year 15 of his career and he's only got a couple years of this left he's you know he'd be fine i mean we just saw it happen with kevin durant coming off an injury that was you know Considered to be a career ender, or at least a major career changer. And no, Jalen Brown is not Kevin Durant. That's not what I'm trying to say. But it is, teams are still willing when you're that good. To say, yeah, hey, we pay for you for your first year. It's rehab, it is what it is, and off we go. So so that's where we're at with this one.
0: How many players have turned down a Supermax contract so far?
1: It's really only Kawhi, and that was kind of a weird, different situation in that spot. He's He's really the only one that's done it. and some people go, well didn't Kevin Durant do it when he went to the Warriors no he wasn't that's not where it was at at the time and it, it's really only Kawhi with the Spurs uh, to this point
0: I just wanted to so when you said like he might turn it down into worry just to let everybody know it's happened once yeah. so it's not it's not very popular to turn down the most money you can possibly get yeah
1: because we know how it works in this league right you take yeah. the money and if you're not happy a year in you you want to be traded right and that's I've, I've talked about that quite often of, I don't really care about that too much because teams can trade players whenever they feel like it. Yeah. I don't have a problem with a player saying, Hey, I'd like to be traded too." just, you know, I think anytime you come to a, to a point where this partnership's not really going the way we want. Now what I don't like is when players are like trade me here um, or I'm just going to opt out and I'm going to sign with them and them only because that ruins the team's uh, leverage to some extent on it. Um, but we've even seen, you know, the, the best GMs can still get plenty in that situation as well. So it's, you know, but that's a whole, we, we can dive deeper into that, you know, in the off season. Than,
0: yeah, for you sure. Know,
1: we, you know, when it's NB August and we're trying to find something to talk. About. So one of
0: the pushbacks we're going to get from people watching, listening, any any Celtics fan you speak to, there is a contingent that believes that the Celt- the Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Celtics, like core, have trouble winning the games they're meant to win. Right. And there might be a few people that are very concerned about locking up 70% of your cap space on two guys that are regularly seen underperforming against teams they should be able to cook in their sleep. And then we go and see them absolutely destroy the Milwaukee box. Like <laughs> like it's child's play. Like they're just having fun out on the street court so the the question there is a valid question there to be asked are the celtics struggling to motivate themselves for winnable games but essentially are they playing down to their competition or does the best competition just bring the best out of them or is it kind of the same all in the same
1: yes (laughs) that's i mean that's the easiest way to answer that right is they are they don't bring it at 100 percent every night nobody does the nba's this is, you know, we're going to hopping back on the soapbox for a moment. The NBA regular season schedule is too long, it's too long, too many games packed into too short of a time. And it it is what it is where some of the games guys just don't care, right? They just are like, don't, don't care. Like I'm not like, and it's just, that's the reality of it. It's going to be hard to get up for every single game the way you want to. Now, here's what I'm going to say about this related to it is. All right, the Bucs, best team in the league right now, right? Team the Celtics are trying to run down and, oh, no, what if they'd only won the Utah game or the uh, you know, Houston game? Here's some of the teams the Bucks have lost to this year. They get killed by the Spurs. They lost at the Rockets. The Bucs have a loss um, in overtime at the Bulls. Boy, that sounds familiar. They lost back-to-back games at Miami, kind of a middling team. Then they ripped off a ton of wins in a row and then lost a handful of games that were not, you know, great losses, but whatever. But also they have a loss to Indiana on their ledger, a team that was just eliminated from playoff contention. So guess what? Even the best team in the league has bad losses. It's just how it works. You don't bring it in every single game because there it is. What's more important to me is this is where I want to talk about that back to back set last week. They went out and destroyed Milwaukee in Milwaukee. And I feel like that was a full on, we, we're, we're going to remind everybody. We're, he still runs through Boston. We don't have home court advantage, but you got to beat us. And if you don't beat us, like we're going to come to your place and we're going to beat you. And then it's going to be done. Then the next night, they traveled home. Well, not even the next night, because as we found out later, the next day, didn't get home until 1.30 in the afternoon for a game that needed to be played at 7.30 that evening. And just for those unaware with NBA travel, that's extremely rare that a team travels in during the same day into a city. It's generally, they finish a game, they're on a plane, and they're landing. It's the same day technically in the same 24-hour window, but they're landing 1:32 in the morning, off to the hotel, get some rest, get up, do your treatment, get your training, and you know whatever you're going to do. And then get your nap and go. I was told some of the guys went right from the airport to the to, to the facility, got their treatment in, got their food, maybe napped at the facility, then right to the garden to to warm up and play in the game. That's just not how it works, even on a back-to-back situation. Generally, you're you know at the hotel or at home and you get you know in bed for a little bit. That didn't happen because of travel issues. So we're in a spot here with the Celtics where that game against Utah, I fully expected. They're gonna lose. They're gonna lose. Everyone's gonna lose their minds because we just beat Milwaukee. We're back in the race for the one seed and they threw it all away. And you know what happened? They came out and the game was never really in doubt. Yeah, the Jazz made a run early. The Jazz made a run late, but the Celtics were in control basically from the end of the first quarter forward. And they they won. And there was some griping of, yeah, but I didn't like the way they won and all. They won. Who cares? Like that's a game they've lost a lot. This year in that exact kind of spot. So that tells me is one, they can get up for the big, big games. Obviously we've seen that over and over and over again. And two, when they need to dig down and find a little something to make sure they get a, get another win, they can do that too. So I think the main thing is playoff games. Guess what? They're only big games. So you shouldn't be, you know, disinterested or unmotivated to win them unless you're at a spot where we're up 3-0. We've kind of cruised. Sometimes you'll see a team kind of toss away a game four in that spot. I think even this team may look at and be like, all right, we just need to bring it with enough effort, get the series closed out and move along and get this thing wrapped up. So I think this was a big stretch for them. You know, even if they're not going to be the one seed, I think they proved a lot of stuff of hey, we're in a good spot. We know where we are.
0: And again, it's kind of that mental edge you're giving yourself over a a good team. And then with a bad team, as you say, you can't always be motivated. Everybody wakes up sometimes and they're like, dude, I really just don't want to do today. Today's a duvet day. I need to be playing games. Just, you know, letting the the world pass me by. And then we're forcing people into playing. It's a long season. So I like that analogy. I also like, as you point out, the playoffs is big game after big game after big game. The concern there is, if you're in a series where you're meant to win every game in that series, can you be fired up enough for it? But I think we've seen enough from the Celtics that people call it the switch, right? Sure. That we know that they can flip that switch and they can win a game when they need to win a game. I'm just very hopeful that they don't try and flip that switch midway through a game because that's always a risky strategy. We saw that on early under Rudoka.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see in the playoffs unless it's, like i said they're up 3-0 in a series and just game four starts and it's not going their way and they just kind of say forget it today's not the day to push overly hard i don't think we're going to see them throw very many games away in the playoffs like they have in the regular season because that's pretty rare we don't really see that and i think i think people who are saying like flip the switch that's to me the flip the switch mentality is more when a team has been like a 500 team all year and then they turn it on with a week to go in the regular season to win. The Celtics just they they yes they went through a couple rough patches in the schedule for sure and yes they have bad losses but at no point were they like well this team's just kind of average. They might have been average over a period of time in the schedule but the great start afforded them the ability to not have to push. Well, it's yeah. the opposite of last year. Last year, the crappy start made made it so they had to win, you know, every night down the stretch of the season, you know, and the, really from January 1st on, they pushed extremely hard. I also think that's part of why they ran out of gas in June because it was, you know, and, it, and we all know in the finals, and the guys have talked about it, I think they were kind of out of gas by the time they get to Miami. I think, you know, they beat Miami just because they were a better team than the Heat. Like, I think that's ultimately what it came down to. And I think it was not a, you know, thing where it's just like, they were so much better that it, you know, they, they cruise. And by no means am I trying to say they're going to win every single game, you know, in the playoffs. And it's, you know, what the old Moses Malone, fo, 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 And, you know, there's a championship and we're there. That's not going to happen. I don't think by any means that's the way this is going to go. But I think it is a situation where with the Celtics, it's, I'm just not worried that, oh man are they gonna bring it in the playoffs i they're gonna bring it in the playoffs that's gonna be how it plays out so i don't know that the level of concern there is anything to be worried about
0: as the standings are currently set and this will be the last thing i want to speak about in today's episode it looks like it's the celtics have either miami or atlanta if the season was to finish today those two teams are going to play that that playing game where you only need
1: once to finish in that seventh seed yeah and then so can i ask you a question just yeah. a general question on that. Isn't that a little weird that the number two seed finds out who they're going to play a couple Before days ahead of the number, the number one. one seed? It's an advantage that seems unfair, right? I would like to see the number one seed gets to pick. Give them that little oh. extra thing where, yeah, do we want the win? Do we want who won seven and eight, and now we have that couple extra days to prep for them, or do we want to wait and we'll wait and see who wins? You know, out of the. the the other playing game and see how it goes so that's just it was just a complete aside it's just always been a little weird to me
0: no i like that because like you say like say toronto beat chicago but now they beat atlanta do you feel atlanta is a better matchup for milwaukee than miami yeah -hmm. so no i like that that's a really that's you need to tweet that because that's <laughs> time we made a tweet like this, we had an NBA season in Disney World, so you know, keeps that, keeps knowing. I'm out, I'm out of good boys.
1: ideas, Adam. No, no, it went to that well once, and you can't go back. That well is dry. <laughs> uh, what I was getting,
0: what I was getting at was assuming Boston play Miami because I feel very confident that Miami beat Atlanta in a one game win or go home type of scenario are you like how do you feel about that as your opening round of the playoffs like to me that's just like additional miles on the clock and additional bumps and bruises that realistically you'd want to avoid
1: you're gonna have to work to beat them we know that uh Eric bolster is gonna come in with something you know that the celtics aren't ready for there's gonna be something that some weird zone defense, some kind of matchup thing. They, you know, they might go to a triangle and two defense and, you know, just weird stuff and you're just going to have to get through it. I mean, that's going to be part of it. And you're going to have to play through it. I just think if the Celtics are who we think they are, we should not be in a position where we're worrying about playing teams. These are not the heat are not a sleeping giant team that just kind of slept walk through the regular season. They're down in the play in tournament because they have real issues. Their, their offense is not good at all. It just isn't their defense is good, but it is not great. So it doesn't cover up for that. They have attack points. You can go at them. They have a lot of weaknesses. If that series comes to pass, I know you and I both over at Celtics blog, will be breaking it down in detail of, you know, where Boston has advantages and disadvantages. Yes, you will have to work, but it's not, this is not the heat teams of prior playoff series runs. It's I I think if today's world and it's a week out from having to make this plus on a prediction, I think I would pick Celtics in like five because I just think, you know, I'd give Miami the credit of they'll probably get one at home. But I just don't think that Heat team is very good. I don't think Atlanta is very good. I don't think Toronto is very good. I don't think Chicago, if somehow it was them, is very well probably won't be. But if it could be. I don't think I just I don't think those teams are very good. And if the Celtics are the team I think they are, which I think they are them, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, them, however you want to look at it, I'm not worried about a first round matchup against one of these teams. I think what we're doing a little bit is there's two things, right? You build up the team, one, because you don't want to be overconfident and be like, I jinxed it. The other thing is sometimes you build up an opponent, so then if you do lose, you feel a little bit better like well it's the heat so you know i mean of course you know they're tough and all that stuff i mean i'm not saying it's going to be a walkover i don't i think we're kind of forgetting yeah they swept the nets It's like they killed them right in every game you know most of those games you know well most of the four i think three out of the four were pretty close yeah so i mean you're you're like I, i think it maybe a little bit easier and, and against the, the, the heat. But I mean, how many people told us last year, like, uh, you know, all this, you know, this great run to the end of the regular season, now we get the Nats and, you know, we're going to have to, you know, we'll be lucky to get through. And then they won in four games. Like I just, if you're the team, you think you are at the end of the regular season and want to and a title contender, can't be worried about winning in the first round. It's just those two things don't go hand in hand to me.
0: No, that's fair. That's completely fair. I think for me, my only concern isn't about winning; it's about health, right? Sure. It's about it, like Miami are a physical team, and it's understanding that throughout the playoffs, you're going to pick up bumps, you're going to pick up bruises, and if you if you play against Miami, you're guaranteed to be coming out with bumps and bruises early, and maybe playing against like an Atlanta, you might not have as many sure. of those bumps and bruises.
1: I think I would rather play Atlanta. I'm pretty sure I'd rather play Toronto. I feel really confident I'd rather play Chicago. But it's, yeah. And my thing is, to that point, is if you start projecting a playoff path, Miami, Philly, Milwaukee in a row, like you're, you get those are series where if you have a chance to close it out in five or six. You got to get it done because you just can't add those extra games. Not against those teams, right? Because those teams, there's you're gonna have to work, they're gonna be extremely physical. You're gonna take a beating to your point. You're gonna pick up bumps and bruises in that, you know. And it's just, I think that's part. I mean, I think, like I said, last year, they going through seven games and going against Giannis, and to be totally fair, some other very physical, tough Bucks defenders, it is. They were out of gas by the time they get to Miami. Miami browned them down even more. And they were running on fumes by the time they get to the Warriors. And I think, you know, the couple games they won, yeah, if you could have won one more game, like, right, we would have been in a game seven and who knows where it would have went. And, you know, maybe if you didn't blow one of the games, you, you win earlier and those kind of things. But, yeah, I mean, it's just tough. So you got to – you. you you want the easiest path you can get, for sure. That's always. But you also want to be in a spot where it's like, let's get these things taken care of as quick as quickly as we can, so that way we're moving on long down the line.
0: I also like the idea of having that difficult trajectory to an NBA Finals, the confidence that you'd have as you walked into that Finals matchup, knowing you've been there before, knowing that you understand what that situation entails now, you're not new to it, and the fact that you beat yeah. – multiple physical powerhouses on the way through to so that. Like if you do that without a game seven all the way through, which is a big, big, big if, yeah. but the amount of momentum and confidence you've got within that group will be absolutely huge.
1: Yeah. I think you're not going to see necessarily a repeat of losing a game six at home against the heat last year, like they did, which forced them to have to go on the road and win a game seven. I don't think you're going to see a repeat of that. If it's, we can close it out in, in, at home in a game 6 we close it out get it done and we go and now we we move we move on and get it finished. I, I think you'll just see you know a lot of these things are about learning and getting through you know those, those those efforts and you know I mean these guys for the most part the core group of this team they've been there done that right they they know what yep. they need to do. So now it's just it's a case of uh, let's get it done. So you know I'm I, I it's I'm not overconfident by any means cuz I'm not like booking trips to be at the parade and you know the end of june i'm not i promise i just if, if this is the team we think they are i'm also not going to panic about teams coming out of the playing tournament either
0: and that's fair and i think we can leave it there because that's a really good statement to be confident but not overconfident and i think that's a really good place to leave this episode when we come back later in the week we're most likely going to know exactly how things are going to shape up I think we already do, but we're just making sure that we don't put our feet in our mouth. Until then, make sure you're uh, tuning into the Celtics Collective. Make sure you're showing Keith some love over on uh, Twitter and make sure you show me love. Please be friendly to us all. Keith, thank you as usual, man. Absolutely.